This is Hemant. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please stop whatever you're doing now and go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast if you like what you're listening to and give us stars and comments. If you're on Patreon, give us money. Well, that too. If you're on iTunes, give us stars. You really had to be specific with these directions. I I really should. (laughs) How are you, Hammond? I'm good. How are you? Good. I was just saying, we had, we had like, I had one thing written down last week on my notes. It's like midterms. Midterms. And this week I got a million small stories. So let's just get right into this. But wait, first, before we jump in, um, I went to my favorite place with my favorite pens yesterday, the Christian Community Church near me. Look at you because Pete Souza, who is um the uh, photographer, for, photographer Obama. for Obama, he did a presentation and I cried like the whole time. <laughs> I couldn't believe how emotional I was. Anyway, let's rock and That's roll. Awesome. Go, Hemming, go. Sure. Let me start with this story that involves uh, Wentzville, Missouri. It's it's a story that has a small update, which is why I wanted to mention it. Oh, okay. Um, so earlier this year, this is a city in Missouri where the, the board of aldermen meet in a room in City Hall, whatever you want to call it, but they have In God We Trust is oh, uh-huh. a big sign in front of their podiums or whatever. Um, so back in February, there was an atheist activist in the area, not directly from Wentzville, but right around it. Her name is Sally Hunt, and she basically gave a speech explaining, here's why you shouldn't have that. I hope you vote to take it down. Uh-huh. Totally reasonable speech, whether you agree with her or not. Like, reasonable speech. She made her argument. She did it during the public comment section. When you tee it up with saying it was reasonable, I feel like the reactions <laughs> are not going to be great. Well, yeah. The reactions were uh, two things. One is that the mayor of the town uh, basically shut her down. He basically asked for her to sit down Ooh. before her time was up uh-huh. to speak. She had, like, five minutes to speak. She spoke for about 4.30, and he's like, you're done now, sit down. Oh, my God. And when she's like, no, I still have time, or whatever, he basically got one of the cops the, the, in the city who was there for the meeting, uh-huh. he got the cop to remove her from the right? room. What? Like, absolutely over-the-board, over-the-top reaction to what she was doing. And he said later that, like, well, I did this because she's not from Wentzville, but... <laughs> Other people who are not from Wentzville, um, like there's no rule that says other people can't speak during the public comment section. And I should point out, Sally mentioned in her speech, like, I'm here representing people in your city uh-huh. who are afraid to do what I'm doing right now. Right. And so there you have it. But anyway, um, they kicked her out of this public meeting. That's Jesus. not okay. Uh-uh. Um, so the ACLU actually filed a lawsuit, the ACLU of Missouri. They filed a lawsuit in April saying you can't do that. You stopped her First Amendment rights by cutting her speech short. Yeah, this the, is what First Amendment violations look this like. This is government. This saying is the government no. censoring speech. And they also said you did it because of what she was saying, right. because she was critiquing a religious thing that you guys were doing. Um, like if she was talking about, hey, how dare your snowplow something something? <laughs> there's no way she would have been cut off or kicked out. Sure. It's because she was talking about in God we trust. Uh-huh. So anyway, here's the update that just happened this week. Basically, both sides settled the issue out of court. They're like, we don't need a judge to figure this out. We got this covered. But the settlement is basically the city's going to adopt a new code that publicly commits to respecting freedom of speech and the separation of church and state. Wow. Um, They're not getting rid of In God We Trust, but Mm. they're just saying we respect (laughs) separation of church and state. That feels a little hollow. Yeah. 
And here's the other thing. They owe the ACLU $2,500 in attorney's fees. Yes. Um, that's the tax you have to pay in Wentzville, apparently, for having a mayor who's really dumb Ugh, and not understanding awful. of the First Amendment. Um, to, I, uh, I did ask Sally, like, what do you, what do you think about all that? What she told me is, while I ideally wish we could have gotten them to remove that awful, huge discriminatory, uh, discriminatory and First Amendment violating in God We Trust sign, at least they will now be more careful about protecting the free speech rights of everyone equally, regardless of belief or non-belief. Interesting. Yeah. So I have also a, um, a sort of small town Midwestern-y nonsense that happened. This is in Leavenworth County, Texas, uh, excuse me, Kansas. Yes. So uh, there's a commissioner uh, from this county. His name is Lewis Klemp, and this Newsweek article helpfully noted that Lewis Klemp is a white man, which, like, thanks, Newsweek. We super got it. In like, Kansas, you say. In Kansas, and his name is Lewis Klemp. Go on. Can you believe he's a white gentleman? Uh-huh. Um, so a woman named Trevisi uh, Pendleton, I hope I'm saying that right, was presenting for an architecture firm in their, um, in their like, city, county hall thing. Yeah. Like, we can build stuff for you. Yeah. And this gentleman, Mr. Clamp, interrupted with the... Fa- and I've watched the video of him saying this, and I'll, I'll never stop being confused by it. Quote, I don't want to feel... <laughs> I don't want you to feel like I'm picking on you because we are part of the master race. You have a gap what? in your teeth. You're the master race. Don't ever forget that. What? Yeah. So he's saying we, the white people, are part of the master race. You... Black person. She, oh, I'm sorry. She's black. Uh, with apparently a gap between her teeth. Which that's maybe the most befuddling part because he says, quote, you have a gap in your teeth. You're the master race. Don't forget that. I watched this video several times. Yeah, I don't know who he's referring to with the pronouns. And yeah, it's all confusing. But here's an idea. If you're talking to someone of a different race, don't bring up the phrase master race. I would argue no matter who you're talking to, you probably shouldn't say master race. I would say to you. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Um, so, a couple of fun facts about Clamp. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Is there um, more to him? <laughs> You're telling me he's not just awful in one way? <laughs> he's awful in, in myriad ways. First of all, he's Republican to doy. Okay. Uh, he wasn't elected either. He was appointed by uh, a Republican committee after number, another member resigned, and he's going to have to step down on January 15th. So, he's like a nobody. He's on the way out. Yeah. And he, this isn't his first time saying shit. First of all, he said it was a joke. Yeah. Hilarious joke. <laughs> I have such a hard time understanding white supremacist jokes I in the know. past month. Um, all the ones going on in Mississippi right now. <laughs> <laughs> I so just want to be in the front row for a public hanging. <laughs> <laughs> like, Classic <what>? humor. <laughs> you, Cindy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> in December 2017. So he's been on this board for, for a minute. It's yeah. not like he's brand new. He's gotten too cozy, if you ask me, because he said um, they, were, they were arguing about making MLK Day a uh, county holiday or an mm-hmm. official holiday. And he said the following. Uh, he called Robert E. Lee a wonderful part of history. He said that President George Washington was not properly honored because he had slaves. He also said that President no, Abraham... we never honor him. Uh-huh. He's on the one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also said that President Abraham Lincoln's legacy would not be fully realized because the Confederates had lost, question mark. Uh-huh. Um, and this might be my favorite thing I've read in such a long time. Quote, well, this is um, in regard to Lincoln, I guess. We'll never know how great his importance was because the other side didn't win, which is all good. 
I guess. <laughs> Dude, talking is not your strong uh, suit there. Yeah. Buddy. I mean, so in um in Leavenworth County's defense, a lot of people I mean, I don't think he got really any. Oh, wait, support. I want to hear the defense. Go on. <laughs> no, no, in defense of the county oh, writ yeah. large. Like everybody kind of was like willing to throw him right under oh, the bus. And they didn't vote for him. So, right. That's another so, thing. Uh, Bob Holland, who is another commissioner, what's this master race? None of us is a ma- <laughs> None of us are a master race. We are all Americans. We are all human beings. I think he's a racist, which well, is really cool. Like, that's more than other Republicans tend to say. Yeah. Um, I think he owes an apology to that woman and the whole commission and the county. Um, the ACLU, oh, uh, let's see, the city, uh, a statement from the city commission. They condemn the lack of decorum, professionalism, and common decency. Um, such behaviors and treatment have no place in the Leavenworth community, is never justified, and should never be allowed. Uh, and then the ACLU had a pretty dope quote. Mr. Klemp has a First Amendment right to express himself, just as his community has the right to hold him accountable to his toxic words and the ideas behind it. Yep. Um, so anyway, I Good. like that guy's obviously a dig. It is, I encourage you, it, it was a Newsweek article that I, pulled a lot of this from i encourage you to watch the video because i've watched like i watched it so many times because i was like like you know you're i i'm always looking for at least internal logic right like i get you're framing this as they like racist horrible scum monster but like what the gap in the teeth what the <laughs> fuck does that mean my you're dude trying to figure out the interpretation on multiple like, what's viewings. he trying to say yeah, it still doesn't make sense and which part was the punchline <laughs> <laughs> His funny, funny joke. Again, white supremacist stand-up is not really not the best strong. genre of it. Anyway. Uh, let me go to a happy story. Okay. Genuinely happy. Um, <laughs> Ricky, genuinely happy? As opposed to the happy. fake happy, which I normally do. Uh, Ricky Gervais, the comedian, was on Stephen Colbert. Um, it's it. He comes on every few months yeah. to plug whatever the project is. And I've come to really, really enjoy these segments because... Whatever Ricky Gervais is plugging, uh-huh. they don't really talk about it. No. It just goes into a religious debate where Gervais, obviously an atheist, Colbert, obviously Catholic, uh-huh. and they're both coming at it like a, all right, which part of this thing are we going to duke out tonight? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And this time they were talking about death. And again, Gervais is basically saying he doesn't really care about dying. He cares about how he dies. Sure. But the fact that he might die, or he will die at some point, doesn't bother him. What he Maybe. said what he said is he's like, this is the best thing about being dead. You don't know about it. It's like being stupid. It's only painful for others. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> he also brought up something that I, I, we've heard about before. It's like, what, what is it going to be like after you die? And Gervais is like, well, what was it like for 13.5 billion years before you were born? Uh It'll it'll be like that. Yeah. I've grown to really enjoy these segments because Uh I realize there's really, I can't think of anywhere else on television, certainly on like, not primetime, late night, anything, where they are overt about their religious debate. I mean, Uh Bill Maher obviously talks about it on his show. Right. um, But I'll tell you this. I saw Bill Maher on Colbert, too. And, of course, they talked about religion, and it was much more of, it came off off to me as Bill Maher was like, oh, God, you're Catholic, you're an idiot. And Colbert was very much like... To be fair, that's how Bill Maher talks to everybody. And Colbert was very much like playing defense in his, like, body language Uh and stuff. Like, he didn't enjoy that conversation. But with Gervais, it's very much all in good humor. Mm -hmm. They know, yeah, you know what, we're on different sides of this issue, but we're going to talk about this, and let's go ahead and do it. And... 
I always, I've come to really enjoy those conversations. That's cool. all. It was nice. No, that's great. Um, I also have a happy story. Go on. Uh, so there was a young woman uh, named Cassandra Levesque, is how I'm going to say her name, L-E-V-E-S-Q-U-E. So when she was 17, she's from New Hampshire, she led a campaign to end child marriage uh, in the state. Um at the time, the age of... Uh, you could legally get married when you were 13 in New Hampshire, uh-huh. which is cool and chill. Um, and when she brought this to her uh, representatives, she was dismissed um, by... Oh, shit, I don't think I have the guy's name who said it. But he said, um, it would be absurd to raise the age of marriage just because of, quote, a request from a minor doing a Girl Scout project. Ooh. So, anyway, that There's was... a lot of... Dickish elected officials. Yeah, I think we should or have a unelected. segment. Yeah. A segment of like state level and lower assholes. Um, That's a long list. <laughs> right? It can be a week. We'll have a theme song for it. Yeah. We don't even have a theme song for this podcast. Um, <laughs> anyway, that was two years ago. And um, uh, last week she was elected to the State House of Representatives of De- as a Democrat at 19 years old. Nice. Now, is that guy still in there? I believe so, and I didn't do it. That would be awkward and kind of hilarious. Yeah. Um, so I do like the idea of someone saying, like, this elected official pissed me off personally, <laughs> and my revenge is I'm going to beat you at your own game, basically. So good. And also, over mid. the summer, New Hampshire's laws were changed to raise the age of marriage to 16. Oh. So, like, she's already doing pretty nice. good. Um, as recently as 2015, the average age of a New Hampshire state legislator was, would you like to guess? Uh, with her? No, 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 as of 2015. Um, I'm going to guess like 60. 66 was the average age. Um, She. So uh, with her in the mix, where there's. there's Well, now it it doubled the number of people under the age of 40 in this last election. Mm -hmm. Um, She said, um, Levesque said, they've had some trouble trying to get in the mindset of generations after them. It's a totally different time when they were my age. Having someone new to help them see different perspective will definitely help. She's also currently taking online political science courses at Southern New Hampshire University, is still a Girl Scout leader and a <laughs> legislator. So she Bad wants ass. to raise the, air, the age of marriage up to 18. Uh, she wants to refocus the legislator on bills that would benefit the state's youth, including measures to make college more affordable and encourage young people to find work in this state after college. So, like, real good shit, not mm-hmm. just sort of a gimmick like yeah, one she thing knows what's up. if you're not doing this already find some local officials uh, some of these younger people who just got elected and they're doing it for all the right reasons because right. they're passionate about governance and legislation and stuff like that and follow them on social media because you know we're so used to seeing people on social media politicians on social media just putting out platitudes at best yeah. or playing the Trump game or whatever. And it's just nasty. It's not fun to follow like Marco Rubio. <laughs> but if you follow some of these state legislators who got elected, and I follow a couple of them, it's inspiring. They're just like, it's my first date orientation. Yeah. This is what happened. This is what's going on in my home life mm-hmm. in a public sort of way. Right. It's kind of like, oh, you're a normal person. Yeah, you're, you're going to orientation that's for awesome. Congress. Yeah, yeah, it's all very cool. If, if you're cynical about government, and I am absolutely cynical about this stuff, that is really inspiring. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so last year, there was a Supreme Court case. We've talked about it a lot. Trinity Lutheran. Uh This is the playground. They wanted state taxpayer money in Missouri to renovate a church playground. Okay. The Supreme Court said uh, seven to two, I believe. Um, But the Supreme Court said, no, not seven to two. They said five, four. It's legal, um, but it only applies to you guys. Oh, yeah. This isn't a... specific... uh, I, I hope I'm getting this right. <laughs> they too. basically said it's okay for taxpayer money to be used for this purpose as long as it's a secular thing. Okay. You know, if you're renovating a playground, there's no reason a church should be locked out of grant applications that anyone else in the state can apply for. Yeah, which now, is... we're finding we're going to we're about to find out very soon because now churches are testing the limits. Right. So I know there's a case pending before the Supreme Court. They haven't decided if they'll take this up. If state renovations can fund like the upkeep of a historical church that's still that's still active and holding congregation. Okay. So that's where it's going now. But anyway, this Trinity Lutheran case happened last year. Uh-huh. And the thing that just happened now, still with the same Trinity Lutheran case, is after the Supreme Court decided it, uh-huh. it gets kicked back to a lower court to figure out, you figure out the money and how all of this works oh, uh-huh. out. Because the playground, actually, I think it opened this week. Oh, cool. That's a separate issue. I hope it's a really fucking dope <laughs> playground. I, I didn't see the pictures, but yeah, I'm sure it's fine because it's brand new and it's a playground. They're, looking they're fine. Um, but here's the thing. Now it went back to a U.S. District Court judge whose job it was to say, okay, the Christian, the conservative legal group that defended the church in this case, they won. They now get paid attorney's fees from the other side. And in this case, the conservatives who worked for Alliance Defending Freedom, they gave a receipt. They gave the bill to the judge uh-huh. and it said we need to be we need to get a check basically for $891,000 and change. And all of this money went to for example, their lead lawyer all the way up through the Supreme Court. That guy he said he was owed $357,000. Jesus. Um they had other people working on it, one lawyer $190,000. By the way, the $357,000 guy he said, I'm, uh, I get paid $695 an hour. Nice job if you can get it. Uh-huh. Um, this is one of his co- colleagues at Alliance Defending Freedom. 190000 he was owed for 495 an hour. Um, there's others. Uh, $86,000, $44,000, This is what they said. This is what we are owed for the work we put in to the Supreme Court brief uh-huh. and everything we had to do to get ready for it. And there's, there's a handful of additional money in fees that don't just go to lawyers. Okay, but let's start with the lawyers. So it goes in front of this judge. What, tell me the total again. Total was 891000 overall. This is You to, could buy like 37 playgrounds with that. <laughs> very, very good point. <laughs> so basically, the judge is like, there's no fucking way we are anyone owes you this much money. And she basically listed in her, she put out a, uh, not a decision on this, but she put out a statement on this explaining her thinking, which is what they do. Uh And her ruling basically said there, let me read you some of the stuff she said, because it's hilarious. Really? Um, First of all, the court finds that most of the rates plaintiff's attorneys propose are not reasonable. (laughs) 
She said, there's no indication that Trinity Lutheran made any attempt to find basically local lawyers who oh, would have uh-huh. taken on this case. They would have done equally fine. Right. Um, it's not like the unqualified people are here. She's like, you had qualified local people to choose from. You didn't take them. You took this outside group. Uh-huh. So like, just because they cost a lot doesn't mean everyone else That's is responsible That's not our responsibility. Yeah. Um, the fact that Trinity Lutheran initially did not know of other local attorneys who would take the case does not mean it was unable to find other local uh, attorneys. Yeah, we have it. Google, even in churches. <laughs> right? Yeah. She also said that the other side's lawyer, uh, whose experience involved working for the state's attorney general's office for more than two decades, arguing before the U.S. Supreme Court four times, arguing before the Missouri Supreme Court 90 times. Hmm. This is the other side's lawyer. Mm-hmm. He charged under $300 an hour for his work, but this guy's lead lawyer, the side's lead lawyer, wants like 700 almost. Jesus. Like, you got to be kidding me. Basically, she's like, why did you buy the most expensive items on the menu right. when cheaper and perfectly fine things were there to eat? The state doesn't have to reimburse you for your wants. Uh-huh. It's for your needs. You did not need all of this. Good but for then, her. then she goes on. Ooh. This is where it gets juicy. So I'm I'm reading this thing, which is a boring legalese sort of thing. But I'm like, holy shit, she's just ripping these people a new one. It's hilarious. So she said, the plaintiff's counsel claim to be experts in First Amendment law. Uh-huh. But they said when we were preparing for the Supreme Court brief, we had to research like basic <laughs> she what said and first amendment they, yeah she said they wrote down that they had to research first amendment topics such as establishment clause <laughs> historical meaning of the establishment of religion free exercise blaine Stop amendments it. government funding of religion government subsidies to churches she basically says the court sees no reason why plaintiff's counsel should have spent approximately 200 hours at what? the supreme court stage researching topics that they had already briefed and in which they should have been well-versed. So is she saying that... Okay, th- one of three things is what she's uh-huh. implying. One is that the church is trying to bilk the state out of money. I don't think she's blaming the church. She's Two, blaming the church's attorneys. Okay, okay. But, no, saying, but, but the, church, the church is one who hired these yes. expensive... So she thinks either they, like, got gut, yeah. or their lawyers are idiots or their that lawyers is, are scam artists. Um, I think in my head, she's like, I'm not surprised that you're telling me this is what you're owed uh-huh. because I'm sure she gets this all the time. I'm sure this is not unique to sure. this organization, but she's basically going through the things they said, this is what we did in uh-huh. all that time we want money for. She's like, there's no fucking way you should be paid for learning your ABCs <laughs> while you're, you know, telling us, you know how to read. She also said <laughs> he, to the main lawyer for the other side. He cannot demand a higher billing rate while taking as much time to prepare for the argument as would a less experienced lawyer with unlimited time. Hell yeah. She also said, while this case was important, it was not unusually complex. (laughs) The fact that plaintiff prevailed before the Supreme Court does not transform an otherwise focused case into a complex one, and it certainly doesn't justify exorbitant fees. Oh, this one's having none (laughs) of it. So what was the original amount? $891,000? She cut it down to four hundred one, dollars which is less than half of what they wanted, and then there was a little more for other expenses and fees. I would argue that's still it's a whole still lot a of lot. money. It does take time to prepare for this stuff. Sure. But basically, she's like, you guys are pushing it 
by a long shot because you should not have to look up what is First Amendment <laughs> if you're supposed to be the Supreme Court. Which amendment is First Amendment? <laughs> um, I don't. I'm not saying this is a Christian thing, but I am saying one of the crit- criticisms that these conservative legal groups get uh-huh. is they they swoop in whether they're going to win or lose these cases. They're like, listen, you're on this side of the issue. We're on this side of the issue. Let us take care of you. We'll take care of if we if they had lost. Uh-huh. By the way, the the church and their side would have been on the hook for all these fees for the other side. But if they uh, even if they lose the case these people still would have been owed this money. It just would have been through the church. Like, they're yeah, getting paid either game way. Plan? Their game plan is we hope we can... Well, here's what their game plan is. We hope we can win this because it's good for our side. But two, even if we lose, we're going to fundraise like crazy, telling people, look, we're defending the church. Yeah. Even though the church is wrong on this, we're defending them. And it just so happened they won. It wasn't a broad victory like they wanted but it was a victory, and they want to. And since the other side has to pay, they're like, "All right, let's just see what we could For put sure. down as the bill." Oh, Jesus, really cool and chill. <laughs> um, here's a, another one that will make you here. This will make you angry. Oh, but God. Um, I already kind of have I a know. headache. Kentucky Governor, he's Republican. Matt Bevin, he's been around for a while now. He's about as conservative, Christian, awful in terms of governance as you could get. Uh-huh. This guy was doing an interview this week on a radio station. Uh, First of all, he said he's going to run again. I think in 2020 is when he's up. He's like, yeah, I'm totally on the ballot. Fine. Um, But one of the questions that came up is we've seen these mass shootings, one at a synagogue. There was uh, some people got killed at a yoga studio. Mm -hmm. The host basically said, you know, what's the deal with all these mass shootings? What do you think is happening here? What do you think Matt Bevin said? God, public sphere. I thought he was going to go with God. Oh, like you oh okay, said. wait, let me guess again. Yeah, please. He did not say God. Not Okay, then why God. are we talking? Okay, no, no, no. I'm going yeah. to guess. I'm going to guess. I'm going to get it on the yeah, uh, yeah. All right. He said um, women? Not a bad guess. No. No? Okay, wait, I'm going to get it. Uh-huh. Um, One more guess. Brown people. Ooh, close. Okay, what was it? Mm. It starts with everything from the kind of entertainment that we focus on, blah, blah, blah. Television shows are all about what? Zombies. Seriously? Okay. Now it's all about zombies. That's what we are. We celebrate death. It's not 2011 anymore. (laughs) He said we celebrate death, whether it's zombies in television shows, whether it's the number of abortions that we just indiscriminately think is okay. Tens of millions of people in recent years. They're not people. That's just uh, who we are. It's for convenience. Blah, blah. Some of these young minds are not going to be able to handle it, and this is what we're seeing. So because this kid can't watch The Walking Dead, that, I which guess... Which has really gone downhill. If only those shows would cancel themselves, we would have no shootings, is Matt Bevin's logic. He's running for re-election next year. Well, I don't, like... It's it's impressive that he tied. I, I would say it's impressive that he tied abortion into um, m- like mass violence in mm. this way. But it's also not the first time <laughs> I've heard it done. In fact, I've had I've I've like stepped away from many of Facebook arguments when people when I'm like, don't you hate that like children got murdered? They're like, you love murdering children, you liberals. <laughs> I was like, good point, sir. Talk to you never. Yes. Um. God. By the Jesus, way, you, you would think a guy whose entire religion is based around a zombie wouldn't be knocking zombies for coming back from the dead. But there you Did go. you write that joke before? I tried so hard. <laughs> I couldn't tell when Heaven's trying to tee himself up for a joke. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, Fine, cool. You Fuck do that better. guy. Yes. Uh, also, I'm going to be in Kentucky at the end of next month, so I'm just going to like find him and shake my finger in his face. Yes. Sir, he won't yes. like me. No. <laughs> I'm deeply disliked <laughs> on many sides. Um, I actually have a uh, video game, a media-related. Oh, good. Um, it's pretty bad. Okay. Speaking of things that will make one angry. Okay, have you heard of a man named Christopher Cantwell? Maybe. So he's a, uh, he had a big role in the uh, Charlottesville well rally. He's a white supremacist. Oh, Apparently, okay. he famously cried because he was going to get arrested. I don't know. Mm, I also don't think we should. tears. Yeah, I mean, yes. Uh, yeah, correct. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I feel like we should not shame people for having emotions, but fuck that guy. I'm going to shame yeah. him for whatever I need to. Um, so he's promoting, he did not create it. He's promoting a new video game. It's called Angry Goy 2. Um, and in this very angry goy, goy as like in Jewish, like, like yeah, okay. I think a goy is a non-Jewish, right? Look it up. Yeah, I'll tell you. Yeah. Okay. Um, fuck that. That's a big fuck up. Okay. Um, so you can play in this video game as either Christopher Cantwell himself or well done non-Jew. Yes. Fuck yeah. Um, or Richard Spencer, another <laughs> alt-right <laughs> okay. figurehead. Um, Wait, you could play as them. Yeah, yeah, like uh-huh. they're your. Uh, and the it's goal the worst is Mortal to, Kombat ever. Are you fucking ready for this? Because yeah. it's gonna get it's gonna get better before it gets worse. Okay. But it's gonna get real bad. So the goal is to save President Donald Trump, who has been kidnapped by left wing terrorists. That's my Princess Peach, Donald Trump. Uh huh. Uh-huh. But worse hair. Yeah. Um. So now this is about to get really fucking dark, as reported. Um. One of the game's levels involves shooting people inside a gay club called LGBTQ plus Agenda HQ. Another involves (laughs) killing journalists inside the offices of, quote, fake news network. Um, And also it's a it's a sequel to Angry Goy One. Yeah. uh, Which is which featured a neo-Nazi who decides to murder black people, Jews and refugees after hearing how six million immigrants have arrived in Europe. The game's opening credits read, there is only one solution, a final solution, capital F, capital S. Anyway, fuck this dude. Fuck this Who's game. Who's playing this game? Like, incels, like, angry white dudes who feel impotent that, like, I, you know they what? have to see women who they can't fuck almost every day. As someone who doesn't really play those types of vi- or oh, you video games. You don't no, play no, no. hate games? <laughs> I don't play video games, period. Games? I'm, I'm really curious if, like, it functions... As an actual game, or if it's just like they were so interested in getting that story, that message in their game, that it's just a shitty game overall. Oh, yeah. Like, is anyone actually playing this because it's a quote unquote good game? Are they trying to own the libs? Or it's just the very existence of it is all they were going for. Oh, yeah. I don't get what the trolling is. The way it looked, I just saw like a screen grab of it, and it it was, I don't, I wouldn't say it's eight, I guess 16 bit is the next step up, like a, like a Super Nintendo from uh-huh. like the nineties. Again, kind of, I don't get the white like supremacist like humor. No, 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 no. <laughs> they're not. They're not a funny people by nature. Uh-huh. It's not their fault. They're just idiots. Um. So anyway, that was cool. Uh huh. We're blasting through these topics, Hammett. Yeah. Oh, there's there's more. Okay, so get this. One of the things that Christian ministries sometimes do is they try to get into public schools to preach to the kids, uh-huh. but they can't straight up do that. 
right? Sneaky Even they bastards. know they're not allowed to do that. So how do they find a loophole? How do they sneak into public schools? One of the ways they do it is they say, oh, we can perform an assembly for your kids to stay on the right track. Don't do drugs. Make smart decisions. And it is a secular presentation. Well. It is. Let's assume it is. And the public schools will be like, yes, you sound like you know what you're doing. Come on over. And one of the ways that some of these groups get sneaky about it is they'll say, here's the presentation. Look how awesome it was. And hey, kids, we're going to do this same presentation tonight at a local church. You can come on there, bring your parents with you, and that, because yeah. it's out of school now and it's voluntary, that's when they go hard when on they the get preaching. You. That's when they get you. That's how they do the bait and switch. Uh-huh. Now, there's a particular ministry called the Todd Becker Foundation that it does... Dudes love, dudes love to name shit after themselves. Oh, man, it's glorious. So, <laughs> I'm glad Todd- this isn't the Hemet Meta podcast. I would quit. <laughs> You're missing out. <laughs> um, that would spell out hemp. Just saying. So the Todd Becker Foundation basically has done H- these secular assemblies. Oh, <laughs> it's done these secular assemblies. But here's the problem. Yeah. They don't wait till the night to to evangelize. Sometimes they're like, we'll be right here at the end of the assembly standing right here in the wings if you want to talk to us about tough decisions in your life, which is their chance to evangelize and come to G- tell the kids to come to Jesus. Their advertising on their website is very overt. Uh, this is one of them I'm reading to you. One by one, we are taking the gospel to public schools and turning the hearts and minds of young people to Jesus Christ. You're saying the quiet part out loud. Yeah, exactly. But here's the thing. Okay, so freedom from We're religion. We're marching into public schools. We're <laughs> fooling those assholes. They don't even know what's coming. That is page one of the website. And they're <laughs> counting on these principles like to never do any research Fuck, on them. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. What can you do if you're a church-state separation group? Well, the Freedom From Religion Foundation, sometimes they have to play defense on this. The Christian ministry did the presentation. They crossed the line. They heard about it. They can send a letter to the school saying, you weren't supposed to do that. You better not do it again. Tell us in writing you're not going to do it again. And they'll get that letter, but it's kind of too late. Sure. So lately, they've been saying, well, this particular ministry is causing us a lot of problems. And we know they're going to be at certain schools, uh, in particular, this one district in Colorado, later this month. And is it usually local or is there a national deal? Um, I think they're, I think they travel. I don't know if they're based in Colorado, but... Anyway, they were going to perform at a school district in Colorado. So FFRF sent a letter to them saying, hey, we know how these people work. You need to watch out for them. Here's what you need to make sure they don't do Uh to make sure you guys are on the right side of the fence and that you're not in any legal trouble. They sent that letter. And in this case, because they got ahead of it, they said, by the way, we are filing an open records request. We want all your communication. We want I think they kind of wanted to make sure no one was like, oh, you bring kids to Jesus. Come on down. And it should be pretty easy for a school district to just not say that. Right. FFRF got a copy of the contract uh-huh. that this ministry sent to this district. So it's just the contract of we're coming in. This is what we're doing. Exactly. Okay. And in it, you, I would think a contract would just say, this is how much you have to pay us. Uh-huh. You can't cancel on us because we are making plans to be there. Uh, if you do, you owe us a penalty. These are normal things you would expect in a contract. And so what happened is that this contract actually said way more than just that stuff. This contract included things like that it included the fact that their goal was evangelism. Oh, 
They oh, said, that's subtle. Yeah. They, the school, if they signed off on this, presumably they read this contract, they would have known that a Bible verse would be included in the assembly because it said that in the contract. The school also admitted to knowing that the ministry would, quote, involve them referencing a helpful Bible passage mm. and or praying with or for the students. Jesus. They knew they were going to pray with the students. The school also agreed to let ministry members pray with students after the assembly. And here's the best part. The school also signed off on a particular clause. Um, oh, by the way, I should say, they also agreed they would not stop members of the the Christian ministry from being around afterwards to speak with students. Mm, but here's the kicker. That sounds nefarious. There was a clause in, in this contract that was, it seemed per- specifically designed to get ahead of FFRF. Really? Yeah. It didn't say their organization. It didn't say FFRF. It didn't say church state separation, anything. What it said is you can't modify. Uh, here's what it said. I understand there are many outside individuals and organizations with a specific agenda to oppose any positive and or faith-based message in public schools. Wait, okay, go ahead, keep going, I'm sorry. I will not let any outside influence dictate or contribute to the changing or modification of this contract, nor will I allow any outside influence to contribute to the cancellation of this contract. What? Basically, if a group like FFRF messages you and say, don't do business with these people, they're going to break the law. If you listen to them, you have broken our contract and now you owe us. Holy shit. Yeah. And if the district did cancel the event, uh, they would owe the ministry $6,215. a specific amount. It's very specific. Holy cow. The superintendent of the district signed that clause, he initialed it, and he signed off on the entire contract because that's why it's a public record that FFRF could get. So do we think that the, you said it was the superintendent who signed off? Yep. Do we think that he was flagrantly disregarding the law? Or do you think he, it's one of those like he got, you know, you get from your secretary, you got the tabs, you just initial, initial sign. Giving him the benefit of the doubt, yes. That's he just signed off on whatever he needed to sign off of. But this company is like fucking nefarious. They know exactly what they're doing. Oh, totally. They know they're doing this workaround loophole. And that's the thing that kills me is like, you know what you're like, you can't plead ignorance. Yeah. You know what you're doing is wrong. And in the. It's Christian lie. It's a ministry that dabbles in Christian lies. They use Jesus to get around the law, and then they're going to act, I'm sure, like they're persecuted if yeah. and when a group like FFRF gets in their way. By the way, one school, not the one that was hosting the main event, I uh-huh. think a separate school, uh, did reach out to FFRF and say, hey, we got your letter. We're not doing this thing with them. Oh, um, I was like, wait, does that mean they're canceling the contract? And does that trigger like that clause? Sure. And I think it does not apply because it wasn't the main school that the group was performing at. It was a like, oh, it's you're satellite. performing at this school. It's a, then perform at this other satellite school. The satellite canceled. So it's like, OK, I don't think it triggers a pro- breach of the clause. But again, I wonder the, if that the contract up in is, court. Not that I know shit about no, shit. No, it but wouldn't. Like, I don't think it would because the law supersedes your business contract, whatever yeah. you say. So, like, this school would get in trouble if someone was like, why are they preaching to my child in the middle of the school day? Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, this school would defo get in trouble regardless because they are just disregarding, again, the law. Yeah. 
But I'm wondering, it, okay, so say they canceled and this place said, okay, you owe us six grand or whatever. Yeah. And they said no, and it, they got sued for that amount. Does, I don't think would that have legs? And I have Again, no idea. Yeah, I'm not the lawyer. I don't know what, how this go out, God, go I down I wish one court. of us had any expertise. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I'll, I'm telling you, like, FFRF is well aware of this sure. now. And it's something that they will be able to figure out how to proceed from this point forward. Because uh-huh. now that they know, oh, that's how this ministry works. Sure. And they can at least let the schools know, look, we know what the contract says. Right. <laughs> it doesn't apply <sighs> if that's the case. But just look at how nefarious these groups no, are. No, it's really fucked. Can you they imagine know exactly if, what they're doing. Imagine if a Muslim group tried pulling this shit Girl, and what their reaction would not. be. Absolutely. Uh, speaking not. of which, look at that segue. Yeah, we're all over segue. Do you today. know uh, the band One Direction? Uh huh. Uh huh. They're not a band anymore. They broke up, Hemet. They did Get break up. It. One of the singers was named Zayn Malik. Correct. You're welcome. And he just he's did an interview. He's the only one I can name. I think there's one named Harry. <laughs> That's right. He uh, He's in the December issue of British Vogue, and he does an interview in this magazine. And one of the things he points out, he's never, I mean, these are like boy band boys. They don't really talk about serious issues, I don't right? think they're encouraged to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But one of the things his fans knew about him is that like his father was a Pakistani Muslim mm-hmm. and I forgot the specifics of his mother, but basically they're like, Oh my God, he's like a Muslim boy band superstar. We love this guy. Uh-huh. And one of the things he says in the Vogue interview is basically he's not, and he's never talking publicly about his religion. He said, I I'm, I'm not professed to be a Muslim. Would he call himself a Muslim now? No, I wouldn't. Huh. He said, for me, I have a spiritual belief of there is a God. Do I believe there's a hell? No. Uh, he worries that even discussing faith... Is hell part of the Muslim I believe jam? so. Okay. I think, yeah. He worries that even discussing faith, quote, becomes a religious fucking debacle of philosophers. Wow. He said, I don't believe you need to eat a certain meat that's been prayed over a certain way. I don't believe you need to read a prayer in a certain language five times a day. I don't believe any of it. I just believe if you're a good person, everything is going to go right for you. Oh, good for him. Which is awesome. Those, I mean, that's kind of what you want yeah. someone with a large platform to say. But it is kind of surprising that someone who was... I'm not used to hearing that from someone pegged as a Muslim uh-huh. coming out and saying, yeah, I'm not. Right. Uh, he didn't say there's anything wrong with it, no, to be no, no, clear, because no. uh, that might get him in real trouble somewhere. But just saying, oh, yeah, you all think that, but I, and I've never said it, mm-hmm. and I'm not. And there were a lot of uh, Muslims on Twitter who were very, very upset about how he left Islam because he left One Direction. Now he left their religion. Who's he going to leave next? Wait, you're lying. No, these are, but these, these are, are like children. These are random this. tweets who are, are saying it. Um, also, but by the way, no one should have been surprised by this because this guy has been in the press. If you cover, like, the if you read the paparazzi stuff. Which you do. Which I do. I mean, this guy drinks, he smokes, he out, he's out partying. Uh-huh. Like, it's exactly what sounds you would cool expect. cool as hell. It sounds like exactly what you'd yeah, expect a superstar to do. Uh, so the fact that anyone would have seen all that and say, this guy must be devout. Right. I mean, that's kind of a delusion to begin yeah. with. But interesting. And his dad is British Pakistani. His mother is English and part Irish. All right. And she converted to Islam upon their marriage. So like the family oh, is, so the is Muslim. so the parents are Muslim. So there you go. That's very, I mean, that's cool. And I think that's what needs to happen more often is not like your... Uh, I guess Ricky Gervais doesn't necessarily tr- like 
trash on religion, but like oh, isn't. Oh but but not, not in the in, Colbert stuff so I guess, much. Yeah, but I'm he thinking does the Colbert stuff. No, he does. Like it's. I think it's this sort of like antipathy towards religion that I think is going to get us further than anything else. Yeah, just the total apathy to like. Yeah, I don't really believe this stuff. Yeah, that's it. And cool. like, that's <laughs> and honestly, like that's how sort of I got my start, quote unquote, in atheism. That's how my husband did. I'm just like, I don't, I can't be bothered. Like this <laughs> seems like a whole lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I got a show I got to watch. I'll get to your faith later. <laughs> right. Yeah, but one more story about Muslims while we're on the subject. Uh, this oh, one is. I had in, a. Do you have one? Well, I had one um, about the UK, and I was going to try that transition. But no, oh, Muslim. No, Muslim oh, is better. Go I, ahead. I win. There is. There's a guy named Dr. Shahid Shafi. He is the vice chairman of the Tarrant County Republican Party in Texas. Muslim guy, doctor, educated Muslim guy, one of the leaders of like a deeply red part of Texas. Weird. Describe my but, face. Oh, it's it's not happy with him. You look very disgusted by this. All my features are shriveling up toward <laughs> my nose. He actually became a citizen in 2009, educated. What? Whatever. He's an immigrant? He's an immigrant. And he says he's, quote, proud to be a Republican. Oh, all right. Now, look, if you're the Tarrant County Republicans and this guy walks into oh, your he's room. he's a get. <laughs> that's exactly right. This guy walks in. He's like, I'm one of you. You're like, oh, my God, we're not racist anymore. Oh, my God. <laughs> you can't. We have a token. We're good. Jesus. So he's the vice chairman of their party. Um, and as of September, there is an internal push by Republicans in that party to be like, get that man out of here. Why? Why do you think? Take. take a wild guess why. Because he's Muslim? That's right. Wait, they didn't know that before? <laughs> I mean, they, they knew it, but they're like, we didn't think you would elevate him to this position. Oh, I see. <laughs> so some Muslims are now accusing him of being an extremist, a member of the Muslim Brotherhood, everything they said about Obama. Well, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> you said some Muslims accused him or you're saying no, some No, no, no. The Republicans okay. are accusing him of all this. It's I was not gonna a, say that's a weird thing it's for not Muslims accurate. to toss around. <laughs> really? Yeah. Now, at the time that they started making these accusations, some of those Republicans who defended him are like, we're keeping him in the position for now, uh -huh. but we'll discuss it at a later date. Which is their way of saying... does this guy know all this shit is going oh, down? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my and God. And by the way, they were like, we'll discuss this at a later date, which is their way of saying, wait till the midterms are over. <laughs> <laughs> now that the midterms are over, uh -huh. they are still discussing this. They shelved it a little while longer, so they haven't made a decision. But, like, now that the elections are over, yeah. I don't know how long this guy's going to have the post. Oh, my God. I don't know why but that made me think of... <laughs> uh, I want to say it was an episode of This American Life where uh, it was one of those, like, NPR-y type sort of up its own ass podcasts. And that's not a jab. It just... We all know. Yeah. Um, but there was this guy who got recruited by the CIA or the FBI who was a Muslim dude. And he's like, we suspect there's been a lot of, like, terror... like." extremists that came out of your particular little neighborhood in whatever city you live in. So we're going to recruit you to try to find <laughs> people who are like recruiting for terrorism or whatever. And so he like met this dude who they suspected was, was like an extremist and he was trying to poke at him. And then the God. other dude called the FBI on him and it was like, this dude keeps asking me if I'd be like down to bomb some shit. And I'm not like, why is this guy? <laughs> and it's just like this like spy versus spy bullshit. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. are you? Cause I'm not, are you, are you, I'm, <laughs> I am, am not there. Uh, I'll tell a longer story about this another day, but there was an Onion headline that basically said like 60% of KKK rally just undercover reporters. <laughs> 
same idea. Like, <laughs> who's, good. who's the spy here? But um, I don't know what's going to happen to this guy. I think if he doesn't stay in the position, I think if they take him down, he's going to learn the hard way. Like, yeah, well, what do you think was going to happen when you, like, sleep... W- Lie in but bed I mean, with Texas Republicans. Yes. Like, dude, this but, is your fault. And I also think that that's sort of the one of the greater tragedies of of what's going on is that, like, I, I am a liberal Democrat. I will always be so. But there are definitely, like, I firmly believe that our country is strongest when we have two sides fighting for what's right in the best way possible for all people. What is as hap- long as my side wins. As long as my side wins. I guess what I'm just saying <laughs> is I want a good debate sometimes. <laughs> you right. know, I want to win always. But like... You're basically saying, I'll humor you for the good of the country as long as I win. Yes. yes. Thank you for understanding You're me, welcome. Hammond. Uh-huh. But like people like this dude, like maybe he has genuine concert, like fiscally conservative right. values. I think they're bullshit. Can't emphasize this enough. But like, <laughs> where where did, where's this guy to go? He's right. a man without a political home. Right. Anyway, I also hear there's a. Tr- I say I, I don't hear feel my friend. Really bad. No, but. I don't feel bad. Um, I was out canvassing with my friend Anne, and we were talking about how there's apparently, a, according to her, uh, I wouldn't say research, life experience. Yeah. There's a pattern of immigrants who come in and are Republicans because they because Republicans have that corner of like America. An American, and if you're a real American, you're a Republican. And, and you did it yourself, and you picked yourself up by the bootstraps. Which right. Immigrants are like, yeah, I did. Yeah, I sure did. Mm-hmm. And and so immigrants like a want to ingratiate themselves among society. Anyway, it's just interesting because hey, immigrants, Republicans don't like you, <laughs> even the ones who are here, like did all the steps and shit. They don't want you here. Just, just, just know that. <laughs> I'm gonna keep whispering. Should we yeah. do ASMR? Do you know what ASMR is? Yeah, it's those videos I don't watch. Yeah. The, okay. Um. So I want to go back to my UK thing. Please. I could have had a good segment. That whole thing was stupid that I just said. <laughs> um. So do you know about uh poppies, remembrance poppies, in in no. Okay. So in the UK and like among the Commonwealth. A popular thing, and I think it originated in the U.S., but it's now mostly done in um, in the Commonwealth, is that leading up to Armistice Day, Remembrance Day, which just passed, um, they wear red poppies on okay. their thing. So you might notice, like, award shows, things like things like that. Everybody wears these, the like, red, red ribbons red, and stuff. Uh, they're not even red. They're literal, like, plastic flowers okay. kinds of things. It's one of those, like, if you see it, you would recognize yeah. it immediately. Um, and it's just one of those things that um, the Commonwealth does. And it's about commemorating people who have died in the war. It started as a World War One thing, and it's sort of expanded to to embrace all sorts of um, all sorts of conflicts. So uh, this com- um, it actually started in 2016, but this year it got a little more traction. Um, an LGBT group in Doncaster, I'm sure it's Doncaster. They don't yes. like their vowels overly much in the UK. Um, they posted a picture of a remembrance poppy on social media. Um, and it was a rainbow. I actually want to show you it because it's pretty nice. Like, it's it's a very tasteful looking rainbow. So the same poppy, poppy they would normally wear, just colorful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, so it just looks like this. 
So oh, it's yeah, cute. so it's mostly still red, and like the bottom, what third? It's like a pie chart, but like twenty five percent of the pie isn't red. It's it's rainbow, rainbow and it's yeah. very tasteful. It's subtle, I think. Yeah. People did not super care for it. <laughs> um, Who didn't care for it? Oh, it's social the, media. Yeah. Um, it w- they said uh, people on social media said they were hijacking the poppy. They called it pathetic, self indulgent, and a disgrace. And here's in, in uh, so there's two interesting things about this. One is that it's not as if the poppy as an all red flower is some sort of like sacred untouchable symbol. There's the white po- the white poppy for pacifists, purple poppy for uh, animals who died in war, black poppies are anti-war. Like there's variants of this. Mm-hmm. In addition, the reason that it um, let me see where if I can find it. The reason that they decided to do it was that they, uh, it was designed to acknowledge the bravery of, ser- of serving LGBTQ plus armed forces personnel at, and as a mark of respect to all those that have served their country in the past, many, whilst, many serving whilst hiding their true identity. Yeah. So the idea is like the LGBTQ community has always been serving their country. Many times they are serving a country who did not like or respect them or, or consider their life legal. So... I think it's a really important point to make that, anyway, so people weren't super, super thrilled about it. They got really bad backlash, which is, um, Doncaster Pride said it's disappointing um, that the, res- of the response to the post is r- disappointing, misunderstanding of sincerity, the levels of hatred towards our actions, and even worse, those people feeling this is an opportunity to randomly attack the LGBT plus community. Um, level of hatred towards the, the community represents... people get upset by. I know. Uh, it has, has shocked us. Yeah. And as a result, we will redouble our efforts to ensure we continue to deliver pride events and campaigns that educate and inform. Also, cool sidebar, this website that I was on, when you highlight paragraphs, look at it. it like, highlight, like, every paragraph is a different rainbow color. That is cute. Because I was copy-pasting, and it looks really nice. And I thought that was adorbs. <laughs> nice. Okay. I have one more. How yeah. many do you have left? I don't know. <laughs> what do you got? Um, okay, it's another LGBT situation. Yes. Slash atheism. Um, so Northwest Iowa, kind of our, in our neck of the woods, there's a man called, um, a man named Paul, I think it's Dorr, D-O-R-R. Um, he is a real chill individual. I thought we talked about this guy a week or two ago. Did we? Yeah. What did this guy do? He burned some books. Yeah. I forgot if we talked about it on here or not, but he burned all these library books that yeah. were like gay well, pride so, books. Yeah. So, um, the, it was, it's Orange City. Not I, even gay pride. They were like, Heather has two mommies or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, two boys kissing Morris, Micklewhite in the tangerine dress, yeah. this date in June, which is about pride. And families, 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 which is about non-traditional families. Um, well, anyway, so he burnt them in October, and then recently, uh, Justin Scott, who's a member of uh, a member and state director for the American Atheists Iowa chapter, he kicked off a, a Facebook fundraiser as soon as he saw the video. So he just burned these four books. They said yeah. it's about fifty dollars worth of books. Um, so he did a fundraiser. Um, he requested the donors give money to. Oh, I'm sorry. So he ra- ended up raising like. $1,500. More than enough to cover Way more the than books enough. that were burned. So it's just sort of, yeah, $1,600 in just a couple days. Yeah. But this guy, this asshole, this Paul Dorr guy, he did a 27-minute Facebook live stream. I watched it. You did not. I watched it. Was it 
It's exactly what you think it would be. Just a guy railing against just LGBTQ people uh-huh. and then thinking that burning library books is somehow going to keep him out of circulation, which yeah, thanks that's, to that's Justin, how books work. Thanks to Justin. That's not the case. One thing I, I need to mention about Justin, because he's a fantastic activist. He, so he lives in Iowa, obviously. And one of the things that happens if you live in Iowa is you get to meet every single presidential sure. candidate. And something Justin started doing a few years ago, which I know he's going to keep doing now, especially in the next two years, is as these presidential contenders and hopefuls come through his neck of the woods, he makes it a habit to not just go see them, which I'm sure a lot of politically savvy people would do. Mm -hmm. He turns on his camera and he asks them on camera, you know, what are you going to do for atheists? What are you going to do for church-state separation? What do you think about these issues? Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, two years ago, all the people coming through his neck of the woods were Republicans. Mm -hmm. So you had some really interesting Mm -hmm. uh, responses from them. And now he's going to be able to do it with mostly Democrats. And you would hope that he's getting good responses from all of them. But, um, like, I remember he asked Kamala Harris a week or two ago. Really? Sa- same questions. And the thing is, her answer was pretty much boilerplate, uh, not interesting whatsoever, mm-hmm. which is kind of what you expect from any Democrat on these issues. Like, right. yeah, okay, I'll help uphold Jersey separation. Right. Yeah, of course you will. Um, but the fact that we have people like that asking these questions, I mean, there's no reason anyone anywhere can't go to a town hall meeting of their uh, congressperson or do this with state officials too sure. to ask them, listen, what do you think about these issues? Cause they may come up in front of you because having that video is so valuable. So that's what I know Justin for. And then I saw, Oh, that's what he did for this book burning guy. Yeah. More, that's awesome. Good for him. Yeah, that is great. Um, I've got listener mail. Yes. Um, so this is from Paul. Um, Essentially, I'm going to summarize this because yes. it's a little lengthy. Uh, essentially, he's talking about how he's Canadian, and while they don't have separation of church and state in Canada, uh, it's sort of a political faux pas to to talk about religion and God too much. Yeah, if a Canadian politician brings up God, it's like they look at you funny. Yeah, he said last time a, a politician brought about. God into a speech during a federal election campaign, he was laughed at, and the media tore a chunk out of him. People found it so distasteful that, that his... Uh, far-right-leaning policy uh, lost votes. So his question is this. Why doesn't the, um, the media in our country, the USA, do more? Um, why are they so compl- uh, complacent regarding bullshit that the Bible thumpers run for office spout? Why don't the newspapers, TV networks, pundits do as is done here, shred these assholes? Why aren't they put in their place? Yeah, I think it's just one of those touchy subjects. I mean, there's two things. One is the politicians say it, so they have to report on it. Right. Um, so they can't not do that. And I wish they would do it in a better way to say a lot of Christians don't think what this person thinks. Mm-hmm. Or this is uh, an interpretation of the Bible that literally no theologian has. They could do that. They don't. But the other thing is that a lot of them feel very like religion must always be respected. and Yeah, protected. No matter what. And it, politicians say that. Journalists say that. That's kind of why you need people to push back and say, no, no, no. It doesn't deserve respect. It has to earn respect. And with the way these people are using religion mm-hmm. to discriminate against gay people, to, to push back against immigrants, whatever, mm-hmm. like... Not only is it bad policy, not only is it just cruel, mm-hmm. like the religious basis of it is just awful. Like there's no reason they can't condemn uh, foolish thinking. You would think journalists are in the business of 
of you know critical thinking and, and, and questioning and truth telling. But religion is one of those things where nope, we just this person believes it. We'll just leave it at that and not point out that this person's beliefs are batshit crazy. Or even taking it a step further, saying like, whatever, believe whatever you want, but you don't get to say gay people don't deserve the same rights as other people. Like you don't, you do not get to put that into your policy. Right. But like, and keep in mind the law also helps them out. Like, for, uh, why can't the baker make a cake for a gay couple? Yeah. He says it's because of my religion. Yeah. But the law says it doesn't really matter what your reason is. Certain states mm-hmm. allow you to discriminate based on whatever you're thinking. Yeah. And if you're a journalist, your job is to say, well, this is what happened. It's not their job to say, yeah, it happened and his reasoning is stupid. I mean, there, that's, there's a difference between like reporting the news and... Commenting on com- it. And yeah, stuff. commentary. Yeah. I don't know. I I also think it has to. It's obvious. Like obviously, it's a cultural thing, and it's similar to the gun thing. But it, we just live in a country where Republican or the right, I should say, years ago found it really useful to beat this drum of religion and use that as a as a catch all. Because there are, there's just a lot of Christians in the country. So if you say, I am a true Christian and this is what Christians believe, if you consider yourself part of that in-group and you don't agree, then you might keep your mouth shut or change your mind. Mm-hmm. And it's a really useful tactic for politicians to keep everybody in line, you yeah. know? And I would also say, some getting away from politics, I see this in the media, too. If they ever cover a story that deals with a baptism or a communion, they, they'll report on it. And part of me just wants them to say, like, look, this baby got baptized. It does nothing. Um, like, it's a ritual. Yeah. Like, it doesn't actually have any special powers. To me, that's like, that would be objective to say. But they would say uh, that's opinion. I, this is why I'm not a journalist. I just comment on stuff. Yeah, because I mean, th- I don't know. I mean, I think it would be interesting to phrase it like completely objectively, like uh, pretending nobody's ever heard of that. So we're like, this baby was baptized. Baptism is a, a ritual in some Christian circles whereby a baby is cleansed of sin by splashing water on it. Yeah, right. Like as soon as you kind of put it into those, when you terms, put it like you're an alien looking right, onto it, right. it's at least. But they don't do that. They just kind of assume. A lot of times, they just kind of assume. Yeah, uh, the Catholic Church believes this is cleanses from sins, cleanses you from sins. Okay, now moving on to the rest of the story. It's right. like, yeah, you weren't done with that part yet. <laughs> Keep going. More. Um, and then before we go, I actually we got a lot of emails this week, and so I just wanted because. We've been get, a lot of times we'll like put out a call for a <laughs> listener mail and people just end up like writing nice things to us that aren't like actionable so we can't put it on the show. Yeah. But this week we got emails from um, Jillian in Alberta, Tegan in Melbourne, um, Michelle from quote rural conservative America. She was not specific. Eric, who's also from Unclear, and an Etsy buyer whose name is withheld and location is withheld because he's buying a present for his wife on my Etsy ah, shop. And nice. so I don't want to... He said they both listen to the show, so I don't want to <laughs> blow up his spot. Um, have anything good happening? Uh, you first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to L.A. in January. I'm nice. going to bring the recording equipment. I've already got a couple interviews lined up for people that I'm extremely excited about. So uh, I'm going to try to queue up a couple more. My husband's going there for business. And I was like, 
oh, thanks, I'll come, <laughs> and invited myself. Nice. So, anyway, I'm very excited about Sweet. that. I'm going to Texas with family for Thanksgiving. Where in Texas? Uh, Austin. Oh, Austin's yeah, dope. Lots of family stuff. I'm not sure if I'm doing anything atheist-y public anywhere. Yeah. Uh, if I do, there's I'll post it there. on the website. Um, there's some people out there, yeah. Uh, but... We may run an interview we did a while back. Next oh, yeah, week. next we'll week see. is uh, Thanksgiving in the U.S. Happy early Thanksgiving. Happy early Thanksgiving um, to you, my friend. Right. Um, so probably won't talk to you guys next week. You'll hear from us. You'll hear yeah, from Hammett. Somebody. Okay. I don't know. We'll <laughs> wait, see wait, you. wait, 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 yo, wait. Yo. Twitter, Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-E-E. Hammett's at Hammond Meta, his whole name. Email us, friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail.com. Go did on you go iTunes. to Patreon yet? Go there. Did you? What are you doing? Why aren't you on rate Patreon? Um, iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, give us five stars. Hey, tell a friend. This was a good episode, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>